This is Ideas to Action, a new series from Augsburg University and Changemaker Podcast. It's about those first steps toward making a positive change. We'll hear from peacemakers, changemakers, and innovators who are speaking at this year's Nobel Peace Prize Forum. I'm your host, Jackie Biederman. Back in September, the Nobel Peace Prize Forum Minneapolis was held at Augsburg University, and it was an awesome event. I got to meet some amazing people, and in this episode, I want to introduce you to some of them. Now, the whole series for this podcast is about taking action, but it can be hard to know where to start. So I collected some advice from the change makers I met. And if you feel a pull to do something that matters, or if you have an idea for change, you're definitely going to want to hear this. So I went to a panel about the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. It's in Winnipeg, Canada. And this is the only museum in the world solely devoted to human rights. The panelists are advocates for Indigenous voices and issues at the museum. They're bringing awareness to important topics, like the missing and murdered Indigenous women, where in the past few decades, thousands of women and girls have been killed or disappeared. And the residential schools, schools that aim to eliminate Indigenous language and culture from kids. These exhibits at the museum engage people with stories of oppression, suffering, and resilience. And these are hard truths, but they're necessary for change. I spoke with Charlene Bearhead, who's an Indigenous educator and an ally of the museum, and she's led non-Indigenous people through difficult conversations about the past and the present. And people come and they expect a couple of things. First of all, they expect that we're experts and we're going to give them the answers. Or, and actually, they expect that they're going to get scolded. Um, Non-Indigenous people often expect that they're going to get scolded, as they put it. So I'm actually always pretty straight up with it in the beginning and just say, first of all, um, there's nothing beneficial in shaming white people and re-traumatizing Indigenous people and that's not what we're here for, because there's no action in neither of those things that's beneficial. However, we do need to acknowledge the truth, and whether or not we speak it, and I point, you know, I, I just find it's best to just bring this up right up front and say, whether or not we acknowledge it, it is. The truth exists, the truth has always existed, these are the realities, and whether or not we have the courage to confront them, or acknowledge them, or recognize them, that doesn't change anything. If we don't have those conversations, we're actually not really having any conversations and we might as well pack up and go home. Because we have to get through that difficult truth so that we then can move to what is the action. The hope for the museum is to bring awareness to the truth, encourage conversations, and inspire change for the future. Before you can take action on your idea, start with the truth. The weather on the first day of the forum was beautiful, which, being from Minnesota, of course I have to mention the weather. So I grabbed a picnic table outside and spoke with a couple of artists. My name is Tasha Kamila. I'm originally from Indonesia, from Jakarta, and I'm here for my master's degree, uh, and I'm also a part of SDSN Youth. And I am Isabel Perez-Navarro. I'm originally from Spain, but I've been living here in the U.S 
for seven years. Uh, I'm part also of SDSN Youth, I'm the UN Focal Point and the project lead of Artists 2030. Tasha's been involved with show business for over 20 years, starting as a child star. And you might remember Isabel from a previous episode. She's a concert pianist performing at places like Carnegie Hall. So both are very successful women, but they felt a pull to find more meaning in what they do, in their art. So as part of a youth network with the UN and through the project called Arts 2030, they're engaging artists and audiences in solving some of the world's biggest problems. And let's be honest, there's lots of problems. Look around your community, our country, the world. There's injustice, there's violence, there's division. Yeah, I think it's very easy to adopt this pessimistic view and it's it's normal that you see all the things that are going on and the first idea you have is, you know, this world is horrible, what I'm, what I'm going to do, there's nothing to do and be hopeless and pessimist. And I think while in the moment that you take action, then there's, there's a change of mind. There's this idea that you are contributing. There's the idea that you are making things better. And that itself, it's what then moves you to expand those initial efforts. So I would say the best way to escape that pessimism is actually getting into action. Do something. Yeah, I totally agree. Start from your own community, start, start observing um, what's the problem in your own community instead of like seeing it from a big perspective and try to solve big things, start small and do real action. You've got the power to transform your community. Start with a small step. Just a short distance from the picnic tables was a modular house in the shape of a hexagon. It's called the Hex House. And one of the architects was standing on the porch. My name is Amro Salam. I'm, I'm the executive director for Architects for Society. We went inside to sit in the living room. It's actually a pretty big space. It's akin to the tiny home, but, but it's, it's not tiny. So it's five, because of the 500 square foot, it is just enough to get a single family in with two bedrooms, a living space, a kitchen, and a bathroom to have some semblance of, of, of a real home rather than just a shelter, the, you know, to, a roof over your head. So the Hex House is designed to be a kit of parts. Think of it like IKEA, but for houses. These homes are rapidly deployable. They can be set up and taken down fairly quickly. And the idea is to help people in crisis, refugees, those struggling with poverty, or people that are impacted by natural disasters. Right now, it's a prototype, but it's no longer on a computer screen or paper. How does it feel to be here? Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's taken years to get to this point, and it hasn't been easy. In the face of that adversity where, where people think, uh, you know, that's not going to go very far. Or even self-doubt, you know, where you say, well, who cares about you're designing something great. Where, you know, it's not built, who cares. It to maintain that positivity to keep going forward is, I think that is the biggest challenge. Just like with anything in life, yeah. I guess. So how do you do it? I was just lucky that to, to have a supporting family, first of all. And, and the drive, and I think part of it was also working in, in the industry, in, in the corporate world for, for so long, to be finally working on something that has meaning and, and, uh, and you feel like you're really making a difference, yeah. even though it, it, it's not material yet, right. that some, one of those days is going to be material, that in itself is so fulfilling. And somehow serendipity or whatever you want to call it, uh, 
God, God power. It, it, when you strive to do good, you always find great people that, that sort of support you. And you're never going to do it by yourself. And as far as the naysayers, how did you handle that? Or didn't you really experience you don't that? Have to, you don't have time. You don't have time to... I mean, we, that was part of the challenge. We would go to so many corporations and say, look, we're doing this. We, we need your help. It's going to be a lot of publicity. And there's a lot of no's. But you, you just have to keep going. There's always going to be another one and another opportunity. And eventually, you just line them up and they come. Eventually. If you, if you stick it, it's all, it's all about tenacity, I think. Yeah, grit. It's grit. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Find a way to stay positive and keep going. So I was able to go to one session where I was in a room with some of the world's greatest adventurers, polar explorers, mountaineers, and changemakers. This was the Access Water team, eight women from six continents leading a movement for clean water. And on their next trip, they're going to travel down the Mississippi. So after the presentation, I was able to sit down with a couple of the team members in the back of the room. And there were quite a few people hanging around, so you'll hear a little bit of background noise. Hi, I'm Krishna Patel. I'm from India and I'm a mountaineer. Hi, I'm Ann Bancroft. I'm from uh, Minnesota and I'm an educator and explorer. So I'm sitting here talking to people that are doing things that I can't even imagine. Krishna is in her late 20s and she spent most of her life mountaineering. She became the youngest Indian woman to climb Everest when she was 19. And she's gone on to climb the seven summits, which are the highest mountains in each continent. And Anne was the first woman to reach the North Pole by foot. She's the first woman to cross Greenland, to cross both polar ice caps to reach the North and South Poles, and to sail and ski across Antarctica's landmass. So on these expeditions, they faced multiple physical and mental challenges. And there's one experience that really stuck out for Anne. It's what she called a moment of truth. The first uh, Antarctic trip was to go across Antarctica with these other three women. And we had these challenges. Well, I first had to tell two of them that they would only go as far as the pole. And I had to make that decision before we got there. So I had to risk their motivation, you know, diminishing uh, and then slowing us down even further. We had no time to spare. And my plan was that the other two of us, the two strongest ones, would continue on. When I got to the pole, I looked at everything and I looked at the fact that nobody had sponsored us, so we had no money still, and then everything else was right. I was in the best shape of my life. I had enough of the Antarctic season to continue. I had food in my sled and fuel, and all the things that an expedition person puts in place to make a decision. But without financing, there was no flexibility. The original plan was to meet a cruise ship on the other side of Antarctica. But Anne realized that they wouldn't make it on time. And getting transportation for another date would cost them $300,000, which they didn't have. And I, I thought, do I jeopardize what we've achieved by being the first women to the South Pole by us going on and then having to sort of hitch a ride off of someone or, and maybe no one gives us a ride. And, and when you're in an environment like that, when you ask for help that is unscheduled for them, it's a hardship. It's not mm. just a cost for them, but they haven't planned you, planned on you. And so it sounds ridiculous, but it's, 
everything is on the edge in that continent, and so it felt irresponsible. And I had 350,000 kids following us with the curriculum, and as a teacher I said, is that a lesson I want to teach? And I wanted to get across Antarctica since I was a 10-year-old girl. So I can't tell you how hard that to say. I mean, it's hard to this day because everything was so right, but one thing was so wrong. And I turned back and I thought, how, how am I going to face the world? You know, they're going to think I was a failure. I was feeling like we failed. And then the voices came in to help me understand that my decision was the right decision. And I and I I had to say to myself when I said goodbye to the South Pole, I said, "You'll still be here, and hopefully I'll get another opportunity." And I've been there three times, so and we're going back, and she'll be there. So you know, it's yeah, yeah. It might have ended my career if I had pushed on. So moment of truth. But this uh, this turning back thing is one of the biggest things that adventurers are taught. I mean, I think your generation made that path for us to be it, to be, for it to be cool to to give up or or abandon something that doesn't make sense. And um, that's something that was taught to us as mountaineers. That was the first lesson that yeah, the mountain will mountain always here. be there. But uh, so the the, the sentence is um, summiting is optional. Returning is mandatory. I mean, I think this generation of adventurers made this a point, and and so uh, it's easier for us today to. Uh, I mean, I've taken that decision twice on a mountain to turn back, uh, and because once we ran out of rope and once uh, we had really bad weather, uh, but that heartbreak was not that big because mm. we had discussed it over so many dinner conversations even with other mountaineers and the one thing that they always told us was that you will be so happy with that decision even if you're walking away from from your goal you will still know that it is the right thing to do and so yeah thank Life you as long and yes. we have to yes. so much to do even mountains will always remain i mean it's better to go with all our toes and <laughs> never heard all you our fingers. Be prepared to turn back, but ready for what's next. So I made my way outside again and crossed paths with Cien Años, a band from Honduras. My name is Jose Antonio Velázquez, I toco el piano, soy el pianista de la, de la banda. My name is Leonardo Moreno. I'm the vocalist of the band. Uh, hello, my name is Andrea Alvarez, and I'm the journalist of the band. My name is Carlos Roberto Maña. Uh, I am his player. My name is Jonathan Alarcón, and I toco la batería. Hi, my name is Cici, and I play viola. Their song that you're hearing is called Evolution, and they use music to speak against injustice and corruption, using art to connect with people and inspire change. It could be music, could be poetry, could be theater. You can you can go to the heart, to the people, in a in an easier way, in a in a strong way. So that's why we use the music to to, to talk about these issues that is that are happening in Honduras. So as far as taking action on an idea that you have, a change that you want to be a part of, I want to leave you with this. But the first thing that you have is to have passion, feel in your body, in your heart. Be yourself, your internal voice. Be, you, yeah, be yourself 
and create ideas if you feel to paint just do it if you have an idea and you have to express it just flow you know it's like a it's like a go catch your dreams how you choose to make a difference is completely up to you through music conversations adventures creativity find something that excites you and get started Thanks for listening to the show. Music is by Cien Años, Lee Rosevere, Josh Woodward, and Broke for Free. And I wanted to let you know that the Nobel Peace Prize Forum Minneapolis has a new website. Check it out at augsburg.edu peace and mark your calendars for the next forum. And if you like this series, you'll love another podcast that I produce. It's called Changemaker. Hear stories from people that use business to do really great things. Find it on iTunes or go to changemakerpodcast.com. Es el valor visitación Padilla Berta Cáceres.